Hi, this is Paul and welcome to the first ever Go Wild podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm Paul, I'm a producer slash artist going under the name Wild and I wanted to set up a podcast for a while but never really had an idea of what it would be about. I got the opportunity to host a new music show on Connect Radio and I started interviewing people for this. I had a lot more material than I would be able to play on the radio so I thought I'd create a podcast alongside to be able to interview these guys a bit more in depth. In the first episode we talked to Pete from Pyramid Park. He's just released his second album, Not An Island. We spoke about how he uses Kickstarter for a lot of his projects, the team behind an indie artist and also got some stories about a couple of the tracks that are on the album. So hey Pete, how you doing? Hey man, I'm good, thank you. Doing well, enjoying this bright sun. I don't know if you've got any sun in Manchester, but it's sunny here in Cambridge. Shockingly, we do, for once. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's been okay for about a week, and then on the weekends, it will just rain. Yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about you and Pirin Park, um, and maybe a little bit about the new album as well. Sure. So my name is Peter Gundy, artist name of Pyramid Park. Um, I've been doing projects under Pyramid Park now for two and a half years, uh, nearly three years. And I've got currently an album out called Vulnerability, a load of singles. And I am ne- I work full time as an indie artist, which basically means running a small record label and being that artist on that label. Um, and I do a mix of live shows and loads of other stuff as well, songwriting. And I've got an album coming out on the 24th of April called Not an Island, which I'm very, very excited about. This is your second one. Uh, yeah. I think we met just before you released your first one. That's right. Yeah, we were somewhere down on the south coast in... What I can remember was a really posh kind of massive house with grounds and everything. And we we're at something called an Arcade Community Day. Is that right? Um, See, I thought it was at a gig. Well, it might have. Oh, yeah, it might have been actually. Because I just remember being in some weird loft <laughs> and meeting you then. That's but was right. that before or after? Yeah, well, that might be it then. I think that, that was after. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I remember that as well. Now you, now you put that out there in Cambridge. Yeah, because that was one of the uh, Arkyard gigs, I think. That's and then right. you were just like thinking about moving across. That's I can't right. remember if it was that one was the first one or not. That's the one I remember anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I remember a couple of chats. So um, that was, I definitely remember coming down to there and I was just about to step out into this crazy life. So yeah. Um, yeah, and that was Vulnerability was out a couple of months after that, I think. Mm. So yeah, pretty exciting jumping straight into that if i hadn't have had a project i wouldn't have probably jumped um so it was good to have something to kind of push forwards mm. so how has it been doing what people would call the difficult second album <laughs> um that is a really good question because it kind of in a way i always felt like the first album had a theme everything came out of that vulnerability thing i knew exactly what the album was going to be called early on this album i've just written and written and written because i knew i felt the pressure um in a good way and so i just I probably had about close to 50 songs oh wow that, um <laughs> yeah uh, not all good um, all right <laughs> and i wanted to really push myself to up the level of everything so what i was trying to say the way i was saying it the songwriting the delivery um the production everything and um so i felt the pressure for sure but in a kind of weird way because i was doing this full-time it came a lot quicker than when i wasn't um and 
I, I felt I almost fell into the recording process. Like mm. it was booked and everything, and we'd done the pre-production a couple of days down here, and I was up suddenly in the middle of festival season. I remember we were playing a festival in Germany in a place called Saxony, which is like the far end of Germany, and we drove there. It was about twelve hours to get there. Oh, wow. Played a one thirty a.m. gig, which surprisingly Jeez. loads of people turned up for. Then had to drive home about 9.30 a.m. the next day. And oh, I, I wow. kid you not, arrived home. <laughs> and the next night I had to fly up to Glasgow for the first sessions. Thankfully, I wasn't wow. playing much. Um, but my head was not in like... The <laughs> I most bet. I thought going to space. Cornwall was bad. Yeah, but know, Manchester. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but in a way, that was really good. Because it meant that I could actually, you know you're kind of using a different side of your brain when you're absolutely tired like that and I think the creative <laughs> ideas were flowing quite well because of it wow well, could, well do, do not get this when you make something like really late at night and then you listen back to it in the morning and it's terrible yeah like I have I've had that a few times so did anything that you did on that day make it onto the album um actually yeah oh wow quite a lot, <laughs> quite a lot. I mean like I said I wasn't playing much I was more making decisions but yeah oh, okay we, we tracked three songs on drums and bass that day um, and they've all made it on the album which is great mm. so you mentioned that you kind of went into it just writing rather than having like a, a very specific vision or aim like now looking back on it is there kind of could you put a vision or like a theme around like the album yeah without a doubt I mean I kind of there, there are a couple of things that I wanted one was I wanted my reference list to be really really strong so um, that was very clear for me and I knew exactly what I wanted and didn't want to sound like and that helped me immensely from a sonic perspective but from a um, from a message point of view Not an Island was the name that I landed on because it's a song about unity and mm. I really felt like um, I needed to write a song that was going to bring people together. Um, the whole album, I, I realized from playing, like, uh, last two years I've played 30 festivals across the two years. Wow. And I realized that vulnerability was a bit of a downer when you played at a festival. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was trying to write some tracks for that environment more and thinking, how can we take people on a journey? And I really felt like we really need each other in these times. This is before the COVID stuff. And, mm. and like a real sense that we need to stand together more and be less isolated. Um, mm. And so that song was written because of that. And it obviously has more meaning now. Um, and for me, looking back at all the tracks coming together, they all seem to fit, but I didn't quite know why. Um, right. And it was just a trust process of trying to just throw them in and trust that this was the process that I needed to go through. I, now I look at it and I probably would call the whole theme um, in a few words, the freedom of forgiveness and how um, when we truly forgive, we can encounter incredible freedom in God. And for me, like that has been some of the process of, of letting go of some things and forgiving and really, really working through some deep stuff in me that brings incredible freedom and life. So yeah, that's probably the overarching theme of the album. So you mentioned briefly about your faith in there. Like you're not a, what you would call a typical worship church artist. Um, yeah. How are you using your style of music, which is kind of like your, I would say like indie rock to put a very broad sure yeah genre over it like how do you use your songwriting to explore your faith uh massively because i think if you are if you have a belief then and you believe really really believe it which i do then that's just going to overflow in everything you do and i've tried over the years to 
write stuff that is going to connect in the church world. But I feel where I'm at at the moment is I'm I'm really enjoying just writing what's on my heart and and trusting that if it's on my heart, it's probably something that needs to be said. And if it connects with me um, in an emotional way, then it probably will connect in a spiritual way with other people. Um, so, yeah, my faith is definitely... I wrote my... I, I see myself as a worshipper, a worship leader, mm-hmm. but I don't see myself as Pyramid Park, a worship act. So I bring that kind of worship element into what I do, but it's not as an artist, as a worship leader. I'm an indie artist, effectively, mm-hmm. that is carrying something of God's presence, hopefully. <laughs> so you've worked previously in a church as a worship pastor, right? Yeah, correct. So could you use like pyramid park sounds like could you say that you did like a pyramid park worship set or use your influences in music to like in worship i don't see why not i mean some of the songs probably wouldn't work so well with what people would think are as congregational i'm in Mm. quite a modern church so i think some in some settings it just would die okay Um, (laughs) (laughs) but in some some tracks like it would work it just depends like how it's set up and how Mm -hmm. people are expecting to connect in worship um because i think there is this thing of like the big anthemic stuff and yeah you know there is a certain style of songwriting that seems to lead itself to worship leading and congregational singing um so I think if people are prepared to take a bit of a punt and a risk on, on a Sunday, then then I'm your man. Never Let Me Down was your first single. Are you able to give us a quick overview of what that song was about? Sure. So Never Let Me Down was written January 2018 with my friend Fez, who is a songwriter, producer. And um, we were chatting at the start of the year. I'd had a rough six months or so had a cycling accident which smashed up my face quite badly including losing my front teeth and breaking loads of bones in my hand which meant i had to cancel all the festivals that summer i just that was the summer that i stepped out to do this full time Mm. um so i was really gutted and i'm feeling a bit flat after that time um and the song basically talks about trust trust in god trust in in what he's called you to and there's a line at the start of the song which says i think i'm drifting between the head and the heart um, how do I know that it's you? And it's a question that I think a lot of people actually face as people of faith. You know, um, wh- is this just like, am I making this all up or is this really real? Um, and of course it is real, but sometimes our minds get in the way of kind of suppressing us with logic, which is not, there's nothing wrong with logical thinking at all. But I think sometimes we need to trust what God is doing a little bit more. And so that song is all about basically going, okay, I'm in it. Um, and I'm in it for the long haul. So you've used Kickstarter now for both albums, I believe. Yes, that's right. What's it like having a big run up and like a big campaign for both albums? Um, and what's the backup plan <laughs> if that doesn't happen? <laughs> so um, I find crowdfunding incredibly scary, um, but I've run a few now. Um, I've run three actually. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's every time I've, I've tried to gauge what is the reality and what is the risk. So with everything that I've done, I know there's going to be more cost than what I probably will raise mm. um, in reality because there's always more you want to do. Um, because a project's more than just recording and mixing and mastering and yep. that's it. Um, there's so much content creation and all that stuff. It's, it, yeah, you, you go in like with a few things in place, making sure that it it's almost like a release in itself. Right. So 
some new images perhaps a really strong video that's compelling and you've got to make sure that you're on good speaking terms with a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) and and yeah and and having the guts to put yourself out there and say hey big or small please can you believe in me basically and Mm. i will i think people know because i've done a couple now um they can trust that i'm going to fulfill the Mm. process um and they know that what i'm going to produce is hopefully good um but it's it's incredibly scary and do i have a backup plan no Um, (laughs) basically i i had these songs and if i hadn't got the money i'd have probably contacted every person individually and and seen how much i could raise um without kickstarter and then seeing if i could have done like i don't know a few singles or something Mm. Uh, but i'm grateful that we got there because i suppose when you putting music out you're kind of people don't necessarily have to listen to it to you know like your friends and family can kind of just get away with being like oh yeah yeah it sounded great nice yeah exactly but then when you're like before that you're kind of asking them to invest into you yeah is that i suppose you have to have a a lot of self-belief in what you're putting out there to be able to go out and ask people for money because i haven't done that for my stuff like i've i've toyed with it but i've always like bailed out last minute (laughs) yeah i mean i've i feel for me i've it's been the only real option um and that's why i've released albums and not um, eps right for for me like it and i I guess like my skill set is different to your skill set i i'm not a producer Mm. so i'm a songwriter and i can sing and play and stuff but i'm i haven't got the skills to produce um so i'm kind of i'm missing that whole angle um and i need someone on team effectively to bring that out Mm. of me and and if i want to do it well that's going to cost money so i've kind of feel in a way i've been backed into a corner the reason i've done albums has been because i think people are more likely to back a a bigger project Mm. than a smaller project um, and you can slightly raise the amount. So if someone buys an album, they're prepared to throw in a tenner or 15 quid even mm. for a bit of a personal reward. Whereas with an EP, you might get a fiver and you're probably not going to get that same level of buy-in from people. Yeah. I suppose people are pre-ordering the album rather than it being exactly. um, yeah. something where it's like... And it's an minutes. experience for some people, like the experiences you can give, like house gigs and stuff like that. I love that. And people seem to really enjoy that kind of element if they do have a bit more cash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really want it. I want it to be something where people feel they're part of it more than anything else. And that they're, they're not just giving money, but they're, it's actually incredibly encouraging going into a project, knowing that people want it mm. and you're not just throwing something out and just seeing what happens. So you mentioned um, that you're not a producer. So what, are you um like what do you play how long you've been doing it what's your range of stuff that you can do so um i would say i'm a effectively a singer songwriter but not a um traditional like folky kind of singer songwriter Mm. and i play guitar Uh, i actually play violin as well but i haven't busted that out for a very long time Um, (laughs) that's that's my background is classical music so i grew up playing violin um going through the grades and stuff orchestra stuff um and i loved it but i kind of felt like i couldn't fully communicate who i was through that instrument and so picked up the guitar when i was 14 and started just teaching myself some chords and playing in a worship kind of youth band at our church 
and that kind of grew started writing songs at 16 and then realized after a couple of years i couldn't write anything very good and stopped oh. um, <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> well you know what it's, it's like you're like oh this stuff actually sucks it's not very good um, i think that was a really good thing in a way because it made yeah. me push to get better i feel um, like a lot of people are opposite to that where they would be they would think it's amazing and put it out there straight away yeah maybe um i i hated the idea of even recording anything i didn't like my voice or anything and so it, it took me a long time to have the courage to record stuff and eventually i got better at understanding the recording side of things and and writing songs and writing songs that would be catchy or connect with people in some way and being brave in my songwriting um and so i feel like over the last few years i've really honed in on actually the more vulnerable I am and the more real I am in my writing, the more it connects with people. And so while I don't want to just do that for the sake of it, um, when there is something to say, I really want to say it and say it strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of been my background, really. And a lot of it is trial and error. Um, I'm not trained as such. Mm-hmm. I've taken a lot of singing lessons in the past. Um, I'm, I'm not a technical player. I'm more of a feel player. Um but I feel my ear is strong enough to be able to pick stuff up. Mm. Would you ever play violin on a Pyramid Park record? Do you know what? I've, <laughs> I, I've, I've toyed with it for sure. Um, I've toyed with actually bringing it out live occasionally for oh, wow. for something in a set, but I just haven't felt like I've got the right thing, and I'd need to probably have a good six months of practicing it regularly <laughs> to get get up to the standard that I wanted to play it. I think I played, tried to play violin once in GCSE Music, because we had to like prove that we could learn a new instrument or something like that and uh it wasn't pretty yeah it takes i think it takes about five years to kind of get anywhere near sounding as it should it's surprisingly harder than it looks yeah without a doubt because it just screeches at you yeah (laughs) it's like it's telling you you're bad without having to do a lot (laughs) i think it's actually it's it's really interesting like when you listen to orchestral stuff um it's so much feel and movement in in string parts, isn't there? Mm. And, um, I think that's where I got. I think that's where violin and then worship leading um, that whole thing linked really well for me because the whole feel thing was just something that came naturally to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So for me, when I write, because I'm a drummer first, I yeah. always kind of like put tracks around drums or the drums are mainly where I push like emotions through uh-huh. because I can't really write lyrics. That's not really where my strong point is. I've like written the odd hook or whatever here, there and everywhere, but I have yet to sit down and write a whole song. Um, do you use, I suppose now guitars and stuff to convey the emotion around songs? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it must have an impact. I mean, guitar, I, I try, lately I've tried not to write so much on guitar because I get stuck on playing the same things. But when I'm in a studio setting, you know, I've I always wanted to have a session guitarist in instead of me playing. Mm. But thankfully, the last two projects I've worked on have been me playing guitar and the producer's just been pushing me because there's something about um, while I might not be the world's best guitarist, there's something about the way that I play that it suddenly becomes, oh, that's a bit of a Pyramid Park uh, hook or sound okay. or tone. So, yeah, you do. You kind of... I, I I get frustrated when I hear certain guitarists play things, even if they're way better than me, because I'm like, oh, that could sound like this. <laughs> you hit it like that. Um, so while the, the, t- the left hand isn't really 
my strong point the right hand is the, the tone thing which is the bowing hand when you're mm. playing violin so yeah again oh, okay. i hadn't thought of it like that but yeah i guess so you've mentioned briefly about kind of you don't want to write around like a guitar and stuff what's your actual process for writing a song is there like a set way you do it or does it kind of chop and change it changes a lot um i i'll do anything from like just no instruments at all and just throwing lots of melodies at my phone for ages and just singing and singing and singing until something clicks um there's times when i'm i'll write lyrics or poetry and then i'll be like right that's the theme i want to go with that and make that into a song uh, keys i don't really play very well at all um which is great because it means i come across lots of mistakes and some happy accidents mm. and you know you end up writing stuff and you're like i didn't know that was oh that's interesting you know um so yeah all sorts guitar of course um i do use but yeah I, i've heard people say about songwriting that sometimes it's really good to pick up an instrument you can't play and try and write from it because then the creativity and your, your brain is working mm -hmm. in a different headspace than maybe it would be normally because mm. that's interesting because uh like i'll have a chat with like one of my producer friends both of us are self-taught mm. and we're both kind of in a similar space of like thinking of what you are where we're going oh i don't actually really know what i'm doing but somehow this sounds good yeah um and you kind of like i always have to kind of feel like whenever i'm working with another producer to apologize for how <laughs> everything is set up because i'm like i'm sure i'm not meant to have this many things on the screen right now but it makes it sound okay um exactly but actually that sort of level of not understanding kind of brings in a lot more creativity rather than trying to follow like set rules on stuff um yeah, and I think as well, like, we only have time to do so much. And so we're going to make, like, if I really wanted to be a producer, then I would learn how to be a proper producer. But if I wanted to be, like, a, more of a creative writer, then I'm I'm just going to focus in on that a little bit more and trust that, you know, when I'm in the studio, I've I've got to be comfortable with the person I'm working with in order to bring out my best. But if they understand, like, this is the way I work, then that's fine you know mm. you can be secure in that for sure what would you say is the hardest part of your like this album like what's been the hardest part for you to either writing or raising the money starting i think <laughs> <laughs> i know it sounds like a really weird thing to say but um th there was a day when i'm like right i need to start a new project and oh man what what if this just is really bad uh, and kind of the first few writing sessions were definitely the hardest for me. Mm. I felt like um, I I had a lot to say, but I didn't know how to say it. Okay. And, and it was a struggle to get something out that felt like me. Um, There's a lot of stuff I was getting out that felt like other people or like current artists uh, in different ways, but nothing felt like it was truly from my heart. And until I hit that moment, after that, I felt like I was on a bit of a roll and I had something to say and I had... A, a kind of some something had started off in me mm -hmm. the, the fundraising for sure is really hard as well and that was a massive challenge um and don't do it too often because it's not good for your health <laughs> <laughs> you released three singles in total but the last single you released was bright heart can you tell us a story behind that song this actually started as a producer friend sent me a few demos because i asked him to send me some stuff just to get me um in the headspace to sing some top lines on it and um yeah i i kind of toyed with this whole idea of 
clean hands, clean heart. And I was thinking, well, how can I say this in a different way? And eventually landed on the lyric, bright hands, bright heart. And the whole theme of the song is, um, you know, I, I may have been in my faith for a while now um, and feel like I'm, I know a lot of the way to do things um, or how we're told to do things. But actually, have, have I really, am I still in that revelation of the hand of God reaching out and touching my life and turning my head and completely transforming my outlook and my life? Um, so that's what the whole song is about. And I love the bridge. This is this is why they say your love is better than life, um, which is taken from a psalm in the Bible, but it's kind of said in a different way. I imagine I know the answer to this one, but you might surprise yeah. me. What was the best part of the whole project? Oh, the best part, I would say, was the second from last day of recording. So we'd recorded... We tracked 10 of 12 songs and there were two songs that were outstanding. Um, they were called You Know I Know and Not An Island. And I felt like both needs to be on the project. And Ian was like, you might need to drop one. Um, I've oh, really? gone up back up to Glasgow for two days and we we're like one day working on one song, one on the other. If they don't sound good, we're dropping them. Um, <laughs> so there's huge pressure. And the second from last day was the, the, the track You Know I Know. Um, and it just wasn't working. And we spent about an hour and a half trying to get it right and then suddenly someone had a brainwave i can't remember who and we just cut it up loads and it started to really work so we just had one of those amazing days in the studio of producing and hacking away at this song until it was what it was meant to be and that was for both of us it was one of the most fulfilling days of the year um last year just in in the studio setting so for me that was the most satisfying moment I thought you were going to say when it was all finished. Yeah. <laughs> or when it's out. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, listening back is awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was the day for me. I'm normally sick of my songs after I've like released them. I won't yeah. listen to them for like another three months and then it'll appear in my shuffle. I'm like, oh, this is actually all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. Really. <laughs> so we're going to listen to um, your latest single off the album, Bright Heart. Yeah. Uh, and again, tell us the story behind it. This actually started as a, a producer friend sent me a few demos because I asked him to send me some stuff just to get me um, in the headspace to sing some top lines on it. And um, yeah, I I kind of toyed with this whole idea of clean hands, clean heart. And I was thinking, well, how can I say this in a different way? And eventually landed on the lyric, bright hands, bright heart. And the whole theme of the song is, um, you know, I I may have been in my faith for a while now um, and feel like I'm, I know a lot of the way to do things um, or how we're told to do things. But actually, have, have I really, am I still in that revelation of the hand of God reaching out, touching my life and turning my head and completely transforming my outlook and my life? Um, so that's what the whole song is about. And I love the bridge. This is this is why they say your love is better than life, um, which is taken from a psalm in the Bible, but it's kind of said in a different way. So you've mentioned before, uh, previously that you're an independent artist and yeah. this is your full-time job as well. Uh, especially in the current situation, what would you say um, is the biggest struggle that you find being independent? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I think the hardest thing is probably 
with live shows for me live is probably my biggest earner at the moment there comes other opportunities of connecting with people and also um, selling merch so two of my biggest revenue streams are effectively taken out um, it is challenging because for me playing i was excited about this album being released there's gonna be an album launch party there's gonna be a listening mm -hmm. party for my key supporters you know there was a lot of things that we had in place a tour in the netherlands um in may with a couple of festivals and some other dates um so you know it's gutting that these things don't happen um but i'm kind of to be honest with you it's also nice because i play live quite a lot um mm -hmm. And it's nice to be home. Uh, I, I enjoy being home. I enjoy working on the business side of things. So while the revenue side isn't exactly ideal, I found people are buying merch still. And mm -hmm. I guess have in mind people like myself and uh, yourself and others who are in similar positions and either streaming the songs more or there's a connection. And I'm, you know, I, I really mean this. I'm so fortunate that I've got something to release in this time because, you know, yeah, that's yeah, okay. <laughs> that would be <laughs> say, so hard if you're saying that, that you're having to kickstart albums as well, exactly. like there needs to be a lot of money coming in for you to be able to release something. Yeah, without a doubt. So, um, while I still have a few overheads for it, most of it's covered, and that's amazing. And to be able to release it, and and also for people, like people are more likely to be listening to it probably because mm. of the situation we're in. And I really hope that it does. It is an album of joy and hope and. Um, that the songs will speak to people and encourage people, and um, so I'm in a way I'm, I feel okay. It's not ideal. It's not what I want, and mm. it's, it is a bit of a struggle. But um, this is an opportunity as well, and you have to have that mindset. I think as an indie artist, you have to be flexible, and as a creative, you're gonna. This is just par for the course almost. Mm. So you have to find ways to be flexible. Um, and I'm fortunate in a way that I've had to do that. And so it's, in a way, nothing new, just a different challenge. Yeah. I suppose no one really saw the whole music industry collapsing either. So No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you recently did a feature on your social media, I think a while back, but it was about the team that you have that kind of supports Pyramid yeah. Park. Because while a lot of people might think like, you're an indie artist, you do it on your own. Actually, the majority of people who are indie have a team of people below you. Um, so like, what? who helps you? What do they do? Like, sure. explain the team behind you. Yeah, so I have a number of people who work with me. Um, most of these people are not paid at all. Um, some are paid for different projects. So I have a few videographer friends who help me with videos. Um, and a photographer friend who also helps with a couple of videos as well. Um, they some, some of them do it for free because they just love what I do. And their heart is, you know, I'll never get the chance to be able to be an artist. This is the closest I, I will get. So I want to help you because it's really awesome and I really love it. Um, and there's others then that I have to hire in for projects as well or who are starting their own businesses and they need to do something at a lower rate or, and, you know, hopefully it's a good job but it's their first or second you know music video that they've done so mm. that's been really cool to be able to also support them and give them opportunities um i have someone who helps me with my socials because i'm posting every day um and i'm just not like i don't mind doing it but i don't want personally i'm not the sort of person who likes to put myself out there mm. so having someone do that for me is really good and she just she's awesome she's been doing it for about a year and a half now and we have quite a clear plan of how we 
post socials and um, what we're trying to say, what the message is, what the feel is. Um, and then I have I have a manager who's based in Berlin, and oh wow, um, he he's you know he's not really in the Christian scene as such. He's but he really believes in what I do and and gets what I'm doing, and so he's opening opportunities for me there in Germany. And so I'm often when I'm when I am touring, I'm often doing stuff in Germany as well because of him and his connections. Uh, but his role isn't really so much to do admin his role is to just open up new networks and opportunities and to advise me um and yeah then you have co-write friends who you do stuff with and um people that you will um look to for certain advice with bookings and stuff um so yeah i've got quite a few people who are connected in some ways but it's the creative side that i particularly need um help to get loads of stuff out there when mm. it comes to releasing singles. Um, Johnny, who you know with the yeah. artwork, has helped, um, been a great guy. Thanks to you for putting me in touch with him, actually. <laughs> no worries. Um, shout out, Johnny. Shout out, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're always looking for people who are passionate about what you're doing, and they may not have a skill set, but you can train them up in something. Um, mm. So that's also a way of going about things. So you mentioned that your manager's from Germany. Yeah. So you you do, well, and you mentioned before that you did 30 festivals or something. Mm. When was it last year? Last couple of years, yeah. So you tour a lot, but you go from Europe festivals to house shows. Yeah. <laughs> that's a weird jump to make, right? Yeah, it's really, it's a different show. Um, I always feel like, so festivals obviously great and like people are really chilled and they're a great way to discover new audiences mm. um and and hopefully inspire and encourage people in those settings and you know the way that festivals are done in different parts of europe differ quite a lot to how some of them are, are done here um so i'm playing a real mix from some really strong clearly christian festivals to stuff that's not at all um interested in faith so mm. that's been really fun kind of working out or how do i tailor this to the festival event without compromising who i am um as an artist and then the house gigs is like well how do i basically recreate these songs into a format that is more acoustic but still has the qualities of the tracks coming through um and i'm you know, I need to talk quite a lot to be able to survive. So mm. it's just an adapting thing. It's a small way of being able to create momentum in the winter when people are not really wanting to go out to venues in the same way. Mm. Um, and it's a great way of bringing people together um, in a kind of low pressure environment where, you know, someone might not go to a gig normally, but they'll go around someone's house. Mm. And it's more about telling the story behind the songs as it is about performing the songs. Um, and it's a great way of building up long-term relationships with people. Do you do you know think there's a difference between like the gig culture in Europe and the UK? Yeah, massively. Um, I think, I mean, I, the the countries that I've toured the most are Germany and the Netherlands, and I think people will sit and listen for longer without chat in mainland Europe mm. than they will in the UK. Like there's more respect for music and there's more respect for independent smaller artists like myself than there is in the UK. I think in the UK, because we're bombarded with so much music um, and some of that's really good music, but some of it isn't, mm. um, <laughs> th there's a, a lack of sometimes discernment as to 
when when there's a good artist in front of you not always but mm. like because there's so much it's almost like we get a bit overloaded with it and oversaturated mm. we had um so my wife's dad lives in the netherlands mm. and i found it really interesting listening to what how they approach like the live music scene because they'll just go to a gig like someone that they've never heard of before they'll just be like mm. oh yeah we'll go to that so yeah. i think he sent he sent over a CD of a gig that he went to because he was like, oh, this band's good. I'm going to buy their CD and send it to us. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting, like, way of approaching the live music scene because over here, I wouldn't imagine, like, Googling who's on at, I don't know, the Manchester Academy and just going to a random gig. It seems exactly. like a really interesting culture. I think they're hungry for fresh things. And uh, in Germany, they still love to buy physical products as well, like CDs, Um where obviously here that's not such a thing anymore. Um, so, you know, even making a decision as an artist, like, should I press this? Mm. Uh, what should I press it to? And I know that my UK audience may not buy much, many CDs from me, but my Germany audience will. So I need to tailor to their needs as well and what they prefer from me. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't know what it is. It's just different. And I love it. I've really enjoyed touring in mainland Europe. Mm. How would you describe your journey to get to this point in your music career? Um, <laughs> varied. That's a that's a very open-ended question. <laughs> I suppose it's like, can for me, with my music journey, I never thought I would get to the point of where I am right now. Like, I started yeah. drumming when I was three, and now I'm a producer putting out songs. Like, how's that happened? Yeah. So I would look back and just be like, like there's certain points that you can kind of pick out to get to where I am now. So like, can, are there points where you can see and go, Oh, this point here has brought me to this where I am now. Yeah, I can. Um, like I said, when I was writing songs at 16, 17, um, I lost hope pretty quickly that there was anything good in it. It was a passion. I never thought I'd be doing this full time. I didn't think I was good enough. Um, and then secondly, I, I didn't see how it was possible, even if I was able to, to produce good music. Um, I remember a guy, when I was about 18 years old, holding a CD up of an artist. I can't remember exactly what one it was, but he, he said, one day you're going to do one of these. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and he's like, he kept telling me like two or three times a week, like you're going to be doing something like this one day. And one day I believed him. And I th and then things started to change. And although it hasn't been a straight path in any way, mm. it has been... You, people say, I wouldn't change it for the world. There are definitely things I would change, but most of it I wouldn't. Um, and I've learned so much from just having a go and failing so many times over that some things actually worked in the process. Mm. Would you... Like, can you think of a highlight of your whole career? Like, of yeah. Pyramid Park? Like, is there one moment that stands out for you? Um. I think when you have a crowd at a festival singing your song back to you that mm. you've never you've never met them before, that was a massive highlight for me. And I've had that happen twice last year. Um, one in Homewood Festival in Germany, and no, three actually. The year before that, a festival called Freakstock in Germany, Homewood last year, and then a festival called Campfest in Slovakia, mm. um, where they were singing back a song, which was. You know, I was like, how did you even know this song? <laughs> um, so, and and I, I tend to play a, a song, Father, Father, which is a song about when I lost my dad when I was young and meeting 
encountering God, the Father Heart of God, um, in that time, um, and I do it just on an acoustic guitar, stripped back, and if the crowd's big enough, I jump into the crowd, and we just form a massive circle, and they all like crowd around me, and I did that with them, and I felt like I I did that quite a lot, but I felt an incredible connection with the people, and I can only call it a, it was a spiritual thing from God, where I felt the heart of God for these amazing beautiful people <laughs> while I was playing my song and they were singing it back to me and I'm like this is just like incredible I've I've never experienced this before and thank you God for using me to do this it was incredibly humbling wow that sounds great yeah I was gonna say I seen you do that uh jump into the crowd section I didn't know what song that was but yeah yeah that sounds great like it looks like a really powerful moment just in general because it kind of removes you as an artist to just being someone singing in a crowd you know like yeah. you take you take away the lights and the everything and strips it right back and it's hilarious as well because the, the sound guy doesn't know what to do you never <laughs> tell him <laughs> what it's not in your rider or anything no no well wow <laughs> have you had it before when they're trying to mic you up yeah oh. <laughs> trying to pull this mic up from the stand and <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh wow! Well, it's quite fun. Maybe I should tell them, but I quite enjoy <laughs> the, <laughs> the <panic>. moment. Yeah. <laughs> if you could give one bit of advice to the Pete that was starting Pyramid Park from what you know now, what would you give him? I would say, spend more time writing songs. Like just write harder, and be more critical of of your writing process. So go at it from a place of you know sure throw out the song at first when you're writing it but then really edit it and edit it critically and don't be afraid of co-writing with people pete it's been great to have you um, my pleasure where can we find you um just search Pyram pyramid park i can't even say my name <laughs> um, search pyramid park um the website is pyram pyramidpark.net spotify obviously youtube all the places all the socials mm -hmm. um i'm everywhere pretty much so um do look me up great and your new album not an island is out well it should be out now by the time people hear this um, 24th of, of april of october, october. <laughs> maybe not if oh it, my goodness if, if this takes this long to get out i'd be worried <laughs> i would too 24th of april <laughs> so yeah i i'm a big fan of it i really think it's a really big step up in thank you like album wise like it's weird, and I, this might sound bad, but there's been points where your songs have come on, like during shuffle, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a great song. Who is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's Pete." <laughs> and it's like it's one of those where I'm like, "Oh, this is a really good step up uh, Thank you. for you as an artist." So I'm really excited about this album, and I'm excited oh, to be able to push it out for you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for your support, and thanks for your encouragement as well. It really does mean a lot. No worries. Well, great to have you, Pete. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Go Wild podcast. You can find all the links to the artists in the description below, as well as a link to Connect Radio. I host a two-hour new music show where my aim is to help you find your new favourite artist, as well as having all the new songs from the guys you already love. If you've liked this episode, then please feel free to give us a rating on where you've listened to this and also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.